One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Square Ball Podcast number 102, part 2. If you're listening to these out of sequence, I can only admire um, and be a little bit afraid of that kind of maverick behaviour, but it does mean uh, you won't be aware of the reason for some of the sound quality issues in this recording. Um, some phlegm from Samuel Saez got into the system and uh, caused some horrible uh, pops and scratches um, throughout it that hopefully will not spoil your enjoyment of the podcast too much. If you haven't listened to part one, that is available. It's got discussion of the last three months of uh, Leeds United matches. Um, this part of the podcast coming up is uh, has got the January transfer window, some Aspire Academy stuff, um, preview of upcoming games, and it begins with a review of the uh, season so far at the end of part one. I thrillingly read out the league table um, and then put it to uh, Michael, Rob and Andy, beginning with Michael, um, to answer what they think of the season so far. So here we go. All right, about par. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, better than I was expecting because I thought, as, as is the case every season, but a new manager, load of new players, all pretty much new to the league. Um, I'm fairly pleased with it. I think there's, there are some obvious problems, and the uh, the absence of size is probably going to magnify those in the coming weeks. Um, but yeah, overall, I think all right. Yeah, Rob. I think we'd possibly view it a bit more positively if the bad and the good results were more mixed. We've been on such a streak that mm. like we started so well and we were top of the league, and then I think he was sort of a bit of a victim of his own success when he sort of terrible. If you mix that up a bit more, it's probably again a lot more what people were expecting. I think before the start of the season, before the season started, nobody really knew. We didn't know the manager. We didn't know half the players. We'd lost quite a few good players, um, so I think it has been really positive actually. But the worry is now what happens in January. Whether we just repeat what happens next season, uh, last season, sorry. Mm-hmm. Andy. Uh, I think I said this this morning. Got shut down in flames by none other than than, uh, than Phil Hay. But I actually think it's an inferior squad that's achieving better results. Although in a very similar position to last season, if you look at it, we've lost uh, top scorer, captain. I didn't rate him in particular, but he had a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, and Taylor, who I think somebody said, oh, we did play very often, but he said he played thirty games, twenty nine appearances last season. So you look at that core. We've lost all those players. We still haven't got a left back for 
whatever reason. Unless he's signed. Uh, unless he's signed, yes, in the in, in interim period, he's having the longest medical ever. But um, look at what Christensen's doing again, new to the league and not come from a Eurocentric league or a competitive Eurocentric league particularly. Uh, I think this, this squad is punching well above its weight, um, to be honest. And I, I think... Yeah, we were top of the league in September, but we, we soon got found out. Mm. I think the scope, as soon as people were coached and uh, the opposition were coached in how to close down the short passing game at the back, things started to unravel quite a bit. Um, Saez is the best player I've seen in the league shirt for a number of years. It's going to be a, a huge bind uh, to miss him, but we're going to have to find a way to chisel out some results during this period. Pablo's going to work it out. Pablo about to tell. Thirty-four year old guy who's got dodgy hamstrings, but he's um, thirty-two. He just looks thirty-four. He looks older than thirty-four. Fifty-four. I think that's uh, that's right about it being a, a worse squad that's performing better. Do you think? Does Thomas Christensen get credit for this because he's come very close to getting sacked, and he's made some pretty glaring errors, and he has at times been slow to learn and he has got um, a high-pitched voice and was wearing jeans at Newport um, although he does balance that out sometimes with one of the finest coats I've seen a, a football manager wear, the Burberry raincoat that he wears um, is excellent but Michael, is he um, we knew nothing about him at the start of the season he was the, the Cyprus hockey day is he doing is he doing good things to get us to sixth? we're above at one point, Sheffield United were tearing his division up after Wolves, and we are a point above them. We're above Middlesbrough, who have spent absolutely millions, uh, above Preston, Fulham, Brentford, Ipswich. Ipswich, maybe, they're always going to be below us, but you see my point. The thing that always makes me like him more is when other managers get sacked, and you see the, the list of um, from the bookmakers of who's favourite for the job. It's just the same old names, and you think, oh, like if, we got, if we'd have got... I know Pulis is a good manager, I know he's got a good record and stuff, but I'd have been... Gutted if we'd got Pulis, it's just because it's so fucking boring. Like I, I you don't just, want Pardew. No, exactly. Big Sam. Some yeah, maybe slightly more towards. Just because you like pints of wine, that's maybe, maybe. But yeah, like Steve McLaren and yeah, people yeah. like that who always come around on every list, and it's just so depressing. And I think we've gone for an unusual appointment, and I'm personally I'm happy unless we get, we end up dropping down to like 16th or something at some point. I'm happy for him to see out. I think he's done enough this season so far to think, give him this season, give him a summer. Because we've, we've yet to try the experiment of actually allowing a manager to have a couple of seasons to build a squad. It's just not... When was... I mean, he must be our longest-serving manager since... Who? Monk. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but then, no, you're right, because Monk right. had... Uh, Monk didn't really have a summer... Yeah, he, he sort of arrived And late, then he didn't yeah. really get a January transfer window because Julian went and Radrick signed. We was kind of looking at each other like, well, you buy somebody. If you want someone, you buy somebody. I see, and that may have been how it's gone on. But um, certainly there was nothing happening in January. Um, but then this summer w- would have been the opportunity where it's like, okay, well, we have that squad um, and we can build on it. Um, I think as well, the players that left over summer, I think, particularly in the case of Taylor. He's someone that he he almost agreed to leave the club at a time when the club was not very well run. I think the damage was already done on that, mm-hmm. and I think with Wood he seemingly always had a bit of an eye elsewhere. Whereas this this squad, you, you would hope that if you if there's forward momentum with it going into the summer, we don't necessarily lose anyone. Brought eyeing up the Premier League. 
Away <laughs> that bit from Burnley. There was that weird story with Grot, wasn't there? But John Hartson falsely put out there about him being on trial at Livingston and him not being good enough. Yes, which, which isn't true, is it? As I understand it, John Hartson said on the radio during the Newport game that um, about a month ago they'd had uh, David Hopkin, who is manager now at Livingston, and John Hartson goes there a couple of days a week, um, and they had the boy Grot on trial and put him in a, a practice match and decided not to keep him. Um, pretty sure he was under contract to Leeds United and probably in our first-team squad at that point. Also, and somebody, uh, some uh, detective, I believe, on the Wacko forum did point out that Grot has cousins. So there mm. are other Grots out there. And people will say, well, surely he would recognise him, but Hartson, during the commentary, also described Berardi as our set-piece specialist. <laughs> so... Um, but the point with that story was is that when it... It, it sounds incredible. plausible. Yeah. No, no one, if someone had said Livingston had had Saez on trial and they didn't fancy him, we'd say, well, that's, yeah. that's ludicrous. Of course, of course you would. So, um, but Rob, so Christensen is managing to get players of the calibre of J. Roy Grot into the playoffs and he's sharp-dressed. Uh, does he get the rest of the season? Do we, are we thinking about next season? Are we thinking that we just like this guy? Or should we be in a much more comfortable position than we are? I really like him. I think he does deserve a lot of credit, and I don't, I don't think he's the one that's going. Do you know what? We really need J. Rod Rock to get promoted, um, and I think sort of the Chilino, the Chilino years have just got everyone thinking so short term. And I know it's no good thinking it'll be all right in four years' time, but at the same time, you, he deserves the season at least, surely. And then even then, hopefully the transfer policies in place sign players better than we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, hopefully, unless it's like the second half of that McDermott season when it all just fell apart. God, why did you say that? <laughs> surely it can't be because there's mitigating factors there. But surely he's going to... I hope he's there at the start of next season, essentially. There is, the short-termism thing is interestingly probably relevant to the club as a whole. Certainly I was thinking about it today with uh, Radritzani's ownership um, and the whole idea of whether we're going for a promotion, whether we are going for a promotion this season, or risking waiting for the future, of we all kind of recognise that it's getting harder every season to get out of this division um, because of clubs coming down with parachute payments uh, and so on, and, and Wolves being bought up by eighteen billion pound conglomerates. Um, so we recognise it gets harder, but then also because we've been here for so long, we're more, we're less and less patient about how long we'll give somebody to, to, to get us up. I think um, a manager... I think, yes, we are expecting people to do it in less time while also knowing that it's getting harder and harder. And those are two things that... Well, we're football fans. We can be hypocrites all the time we want. I sense there's a bit of impatience as well that's come out of a, a couple of things was that the fact that we had a, a good summer in terms of ownership and buying back the ground and everything. There was a lot of positivity around that and it felt a bit like this is a new, a new day kind of thing. This is League United... 2.0 kind of thing. We're going we're gonna to be running like a proper club now. Then that start we had to the season. I think there's a lot of maybe entitlement's the wrong word, but people expecting that that's how it should be. Mm. It's like we've bought the ground back. We win seven in a row. Which is that this is part of our march to the Premier League. And then as soon as things get in the way of it, people maybe lose their shit a little bit more than they than they should about it. We are sixth, Andy. Yeah, but again, yeah, we we had a very very good start of the season, and, and as Rob said, we, it's been just a, very much a roller coaster ride all through, uh, all through since the start. Now you, you you've got to give a lot of credit to to Rodrizani, not just for um, things that he's done 
kind of in terms of buying the ground back. But I think there is that the club are have got a very singular vision about where they want to be. He's definitely got a vision for how they're going to get there, um, which is not the problem with that vision is it's not going out and buying ten million pound English players or, or players with lots of experience in this league, and that's that's absolutely he's determined not to do that as I understand it. So. Half you, you see a lot of talk about this transfer window, and we need to sign X, Y, Z player, and they need to be. We need somebody who's a you know, ball winning midfield, and be, be, continue, I'll, I'll be really glad, uh, as will most people, when Joey Barton is either in prison for ten years or retires. Either one will. Is he banned from all football or something uh, from I his gambling so, thing? Yes, because yeah. of his gambling. So, but it still doesn't stop people continuously referring to him in this transfer window as saying, "Is he the kind of player that we need?" When you know, quite clearly, he's not the kind of player any football club needs. Alan Smith, get Alan Smith back. Yeah. Uh, so, I a lot of credit needs to go to Christensen and Radrizzani. Um I'm a little more fifty-fifty uh, over Victor Orta. If I'm honest with you, because if you look at say is yes, brilliant, great, Alioski, uh, we've seen some good to this room, and I'm, I'm convinced there is actually a pretty good player mm. there. If we can get him playing consistently well, don't know how that happens. Um, the rest, you know, Borthwick Jackson, Lasoga, Grob, Shibiskis, Vivald, Vivald, you know. I don't know. He was given a brief to go out and get foreign players, not not English ones, because you know, you know, crikey, they cost a fortune. And we allegedly passed on Howson and didn't sign Stockdale, so we've now got these other players. Mm-hmm. And um, league position, great. I, I'm sure we'll go back to this as we go on over the season. In, unless we're out by more than just a left back in this window, now we've got Saez out for these six games. I cannot see us stay in the top six. Mm. I really can't. We don't score enough goals for a start to stay in the top six. And you look at the option. If Bruce, if Bruce's not scoring in the midfield, aren't getting goals, it, what do you roll out to? Ekiban, well, yeah, he's a good player, not scored for us yet, and had the same foot injury twice, I understand that. Mm. The, 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 the jigsaw's just not quite right for me. I think that's sort of where I am. At with it with the the plan for the rest of the season is there's a lot of uh, tension that this is a chance to get promoted even when we were saying it's a, it's a small gap to the top two before we lost and drew the last couple of games automatic was being talked about but all at the same time everybody I think accepts that this squad isn't good enough and is people talk about false position I don't believe in a false position because you, you win the games you get the points um, but Sustaining it, finishing in the finishing in the top six with the squad as it stands, would be overperforming. Would be very well done. Um, so it's not the chance at promotion that people sometimes are presenting it as, where we we absolutely have to go out and buy the striker and the left back and the goalkeeper and the centre half and do it all now, um, whether they're the right players for long term or not. Just go and get players. And nobody can ever name the players. Just go and get... Where's the striker? Somebody said... Uh, uh, the club tweeted out happy birthday to Pavel Chibitsky today. And it's like, why don't we sign a striker? Ian, a striker. Um, and we'll mention in a, a minute with Yasuki Idiguchi, why aren't we keeping him for the, the rest of the season? Well, it's because they've got a plan. They want to do this with him and they're not prepared to just go for broke mm. in, the rest, in the second half of this season. And it's a shame in one way because um, you don't want to see a club not taking a chance at promotion but then 
the other half of your brain is thinking, well, is this actually a realistic chance of promotion? We have six, but we're by the skin of our teeth. We're doing well, but we're not playing particularly well in the last few games. And we've got a lot of hard games coming up that are likely to um, knock us down a peg or two. Is it worth spending... Is it worth doing the Jordan Rhodes dance, basically, at this point, when I think we all kind of suspect it will take more than... And when people draw, draw lists of what this team and squad needs, one striker isn't going to make this team brilliant, one left-back isn't going to make this team brilliant. It's There's a lot of investment needs to needs to happen, and doing it in the most overheated month seems... Mm. It's, it's our period to buy well, and you're looking at Hugo from, from Preston. People are talking about six, seven, eight million quid. I mean, he's a bog standard yeah. Yeah. championship. He's a plodder, isn't he? Really? Oh, it's just, yeah, he wouldn't, he's I, all right. Yeah, he, he'd probably put more effort in than Lasoga, but he's certainly no quicker. Mm. So, and then they're also talking about the, the, these, these lads from Peterborough as well. The, 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 the Peterborough chairman winds me up. I know a lot of people think, oh, he's great, he's honest, he's, you know, he's. Be honest. He, yeah, yeah. Is he honest? Would be my question. I think the the law might. Uh, I'm sure his lawyers will say yes, he thing. is. But it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that because um, he just keeps on stepping up the conversation all the time. He doesn't kill things off. Mm-hmm. Just go, well, you know, I'm sure these have got their own plan. And please stop speculating about my players. And then there are like 80 replies to, yeah. uh, and he's, he's, he's doing it in quite a deliberate way to emphasise the fact that his players. One are quote unquote not available, although everyone's available, as we saw with Chris Woods, the right amount of money. And two, lots of people are interested in them, and that's his narrative. And a lot, but a lot of people buy into it, thinking it's because he's, you know, he's he's not like a traditional chairman. Well, well, no, he's not, but he's quite clearly stoking up the value of his players on social media, so fans will, will go and badger their clubs to go out and buy them. Um, I just wish people would see through that tactic a bit more. Yeah, nothing we've seen from. Regisani and Orta suggest that we're going to go out and sign and spend no. six, seven million quid on an English centre forward. It's just not. And I think the thing with Orta is we're saying whether or not it's a success or a failure. It depends how he's being judged, really. I suppose you look at the pool of players he's brought in as a, as a single unit and the value he paid for them and what they're worth now. You'd have to say, if it was from a pure investment point of view, we'd, we'd make profit on them. We'd sell Saiz for probably 15 million. We'd probably get. Five million for Alioski, mm-hmm. and that would more than cover cover the grot. It covers your grot. Yeah, <laughs> you know you you can afford people like that in there. And the two, I mean, I'm I've been sceptical about Orta since he arrived because things didn't seem to go very well towards the end of, at Middlesbrough, and I think he's one person in this. Well, they all do really, but he is one in particular who has to prove himself, and certainly his sort of very Ken Bates Ken Bates ish performance at. Thomas Christensen's press conference where he's muttering about player salaries and stuff um, didn't impress me um, but he's brought some good players and I don't like you say I think he ends in a bit and the other two aspects are his job is wider than just by mm-hmm. players he is putting in place scouting network sorting out the academy making the under 23s into whatever the under 23s is going to be managing Vic, uh, Carlos Calbaran to manage that and run, running the entire side of the club from the point where it was Neil Redfern and some cones was our coaching mm-hmm. that was the playing side of the football club to building all that in and two the, in uh, the summer we were relying on who does Victor, the, the Wikipedia of football who's he got who can he come up with in this summer by next summer we'll have had 
six months to nine months of this famous scouting network and analysis team that he's building up. And I think they weren't there in July. They all turned up, bought the club 31st of May, transfer window closes 31st of August. So they had three months when, from a cold start to get every decision right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the decisions, Jay Roy Grot, Cameron Boswell-Jackson, those decisions are wrong. If they're making those decisions as badly next summer when they've had a season to identify the world's best players then um, and cheapest players, then there's, there's problems. But it's kind of, yeah, the impatience thing because you've, you've got to sit there and say, well, we've got to let them work it through. You could, point, some you could people point in to an office sorting all this out. As well, that you can spend 12 million quid on Ross McCormack, someone who's about the most proven championship striker about, yeah. and he can hide behind his locked gates yeah. and fuck off to Australia because he's useless and unfit. Yeah. So they'll they'll say, well, at least Grot might be a failure, but, you know, didn't lose much on him at least. I thought Keir was interesting though when he was when he was last interviewed on on Radio Leeds. This exactly what you said is that Kinnear and Orta and Andrizani are actually peers. That was very much the way that Kinnear, uh, that Kinnear is in it. Orta's role is is wide reaching. It's the football side of things. Kinnear's is the commercial side of things, and obviously Radrizani is um, the lead on that. And Christensen was obviously the next peg down on that ladder. So it's it's important that fans understand for me that there is Radzani's had a plan, a vision of how he's going to do this thing, and he's given Orta a brief, and Orta's gone out and responded to his brief, and it's not all words. Had the brief of it, it's not like Radzani went out and said, "Look, <clears throat> here's a Wolves type amount of money. Mm-hmm. Come out and find me the best Portuguese twenty million pound players you can possibly find that your Jay Mendes can yeah. find." Yes. And then bring them in, and then we'll play, and we'll go straight up. He's yeah. obviously the club, as we said before, the club loses ten million pounds a year. Mm. So under financial fair play, without parachute money, you you either do what Wolves have done, and you just gamble, and it's worked for them, and it will work for them, barring yeah. absolute disaster. But it hasn't worked for Derby, it hasn't worked for Norwich, it hasn't worked for Aston Villa, it certainly hasn't worked for Sheffield Wednesday, um, and. There's got to be some kind of balance. So I, think, I, I don't know. I think as well with the there's a lot of murmuring about the Chris Wood and, and Charlie Taylor money not being spent. But I think when we are losing uh, ten million pounds a season, that hopefully will reduce. Now we're not paying the rent on Elland Road, and now people actually pay to buy tickets to go and watch Leeds United. So all that will go up. We've got the perimeter advertising that you can scoff at. Well, hopefully that will be getting higher levels of sponsorship and I would hope people sort of, the PR people criticise the PR side of the improvements but hopefully the improved PR side of the club means that when 32 Red are either negotiating their contract or there's a replacement coming along that's a lot more money in yeah. but at the moment that money the money we do have to be carefully spent and if the Chris Wood 15 million stays in the bank until summer and there is a plan because here are the players that are going to give us value for that money. I would rather that than just, oh, let's panic and buy somebody. I think the other thing this season is, is that there's not really any talk of players going out in January because we've because the better players that we've got, Vieira, Janssen, and we've, signed, we've given them new contracts this yeah. year. And by the sounds of it, proper ones, not not a Lewis Cook two-year contract where you you think oh, he's, that's him gone mm. after a year because in in a year's time he'll, he'll only have a year left and. He ain't going to sign the next one. That's if if Saez goes in the summer. I mean, he shouldn't. He won't. I'll cry. 
But if that does happen, you can guarantee or Janssen gets sold, we'll get huge fees for them because of the length of the contracts that they're on, yeah. which was n- has never been a situation. Rather than letting Johnny yeah. Housen go for peanuts. Even mm. Charlie Taylor, didn't he go to, did he go to, he was going to tribunal until we sorted it out with uh, mm. with Burnley because he didn't have a contract left to, to talk about. Um, so, the, so even then, we will be talking about a greater level of investment in hopefully the team rather than... Um, the East Stand, which is another. Um, but then the, we're, we're a few months in. There is still time for a building project suddenly to start up. Andrea Rajizani has only been here the equivalent of uh, has been here six, seven months on his own. A year in tandem, in total, if you include the Chileno time. So you're still waiting for the horns to appear um, and then to turn into Ken Bates. But we do seem a long way away from from that it's just a difficult trying to sell to people the idea that the rest of the season is going to be with the squad that you've got but that's sport isn't it isn't there an argument for the January transfer window where people want it abolished anyway and they're moving the summer transfer window so that has to finish before the season starts you pick your, your squad in summer and then you stick with them that's sport well that has actually been the nice thing about this season is that you've actually been able to just watch the football and enjoy it or not enjoy it, you know, but that is what football is meant to be about. Whereas in, in the past, we've been tearing our hair out about managers being sacked unfairly or people being treated really badly or just things happening off the pitch which are really unpleasant. Uh, so it's been it's been a bit of a how dare you refer to Vern Troyer as unpleasant? <laughs> <laughs> so we're essentially uh, a bunch of Leeds fans who none of us are particularly bothered about going up. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, don't, don't really want to win any games this season. I still think I still think we've got some very bad players, and I'm happy to be upset about that. Yeah, which is, but you know, like I say, that is sport. We'll just have to play them as little as possible and try and play the good ones more often. Yeah, exactly. And that will hopefully uh, come to something. And it is um, the target this season is sixth, and then have a bash in the playoffs and see what happens. So we're on, we're on target, and the competitiveness of the championship and people saying it's a. It's a it's a shit league and we should take advantage. Well, if it's a shit league, we're a shit team in a shit league, really. Um, but we're in the mix. We're at the right end of it. Rather rather be where we are than than elsewhere. Come back to us in a month when we've lost every game and Saez didn't play, <clears throat> and we may have some uh, different stuff. But we have the January transfer window is here to save us, and we have signed um, the defensive midfield player that we need. Uh, Yasuki Idiguchi I do like that I seem to have nailed pronouncing that mm. until one of our Japanese listeners emails in and it's like nope you, you're calling his mother a whore every time you say that um, our first Japanese player £500,000 from Gamba Osaka his last season um, at their club played 39 scored 5 9 assists from a defensive position I watched I'll put it out there I watched him play in a friendly for Japan against Brazil was it against those hundred children I watched that as well which is fantastic um, I love I think we should start doing that here can you imagine J. Roy Grot up against a hundred kids a hundred mini juice <laughs> that would be incredible yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just picturing that now. I was a little bit distracted. He was, yes. I mean, it was a friendly, so you couldn't tell it, but he looked box-to-box, creative, um, thinking about interesting passes. I managed to piss Neymar off at one point as well, which is pretty good. Um, he's got 11 caps for Japan, two goals for them, including the goal that took them to the World Cup, where he hopes to be in the summer. 
Um, so he's, uh, yes, and uh, Alan Alexson, chief editor of J Soccer Magazine, says he's a defensive midfielder with a mean streak. So many Japanese players play in the Bundesliga, but for me, he's one of the few coming through that would enjoy the challenge of England. He's hard enough to take what's dished out. Uh, two or three more years in Japan would have cemented him as a legend, a national team stalwart and even captain, and he would walk into any, almost any team in Europe and still be only 24 and starting to peak. Um, but we've got him for 500 grand now. And, well, actually, culturally, Leonese have got him for 500 grand now because we're loaning him out. It's like a new signing, but it's not. Mm. And there's been a lot of discussion about the work permit situation this week, hasn't there, and whether he should stay or whether he should go. Yeah, there's a lot of people today on Twitter being very frustrated about it, and I'm sort of in two minds about it, really. I can understand that this January it feels like if we are going to sign anyone, we need to sign someone who can hit the ground running. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure how much sending him on loan to... What the seventeenth in the division. Spanish second division? Yeah, I'm not sure how much that's going to prepare for next season. Really, yeah, one place, one place above yet. Barcelona B. <laughs> they only got promoted last season, didn't they? As well, and yeah, um, yeah, it seems a strange one that if we want to get him ready for next season, we to play in the championship, we're spending, him, we're sending him to a crap team in the Spanish second division. Mm. It seems odd that if he's got a work permit, we wouldn't at least have a look at him. For a couple of weeks, because the transfer window is still open, mm. we could at least have him train. Christensen could have a look at him for a week and say, and maybe decide, you know, he might be useful. And yeah. if and if we decide he's not, then like I say, if he's got a work permit, send him to Doncaster or mm. somewhere where he might. He can at least he can at least get used to living in England, if nothing else. Yeah, because as it is, he's going to be doubting all over the place. He'll yeah. come back speaking fluent Spanish, <laughs> and uh, and still be no nearer. Um, and the, uh, I suppose it doesn't help that Wazim Boy's uh, loan to cultural Leonese after we signed him, he managed 55 minutes for them in substitute appearances. Um, so that went well. And it was interesting uh, when you say about Christensen having a look at him. Christensen was asked about Wazim Boy coming back. He's like, is he going to be part of your plans? And he, he kind of looked blank and said, well, fuck no. Is it? No, he said, <laughs> I, I've, never, I've not seen him. I don't, yeah. I don't know anything about this player. Yeah. I met him this morning. Um, and and that's one of our um, players. So it is a li- they've they've obviously they must have known about the work permit situation. I'm sure because it seems that there's a football league rule that he can't be registered unless he has a permit to play in this country. Yeah. Um, so they must have known that that would be necessary for some reason. The plan is as always has been cultural Leonisa for half a season. What who that benefits. What that's a, what kind of deal that's a condition of? We may discuss um, when we come on to the the Borg that we're being absorbed into in a moment. But um, it's exciting to have a, our first Japanese player. As everybody says, we will now be selling thousands of uh, Leeds United shirts in Tokyo. It will be yes. the selfie sticks at Elm Road. The yes. new sushi in the northeast of a bar at half time. It'll be the new Hiraguchi style in, in a, what's a face out of no doubt we'll be doing songs about it, mm-hmm. um, about Leeds in, in five years. They've already started on the official website trying to drum up some of that fan interest with ten facts about Leeds United's first Japanese player. The first one, I love this, Yusuke Iriguchi was born on Friday the twenty third of August nineteen ninety six in Fukuoka, Japan. The following day, Leeds United beat Wimbledon 1-0 at Elland Road thanks to a goal from Lee Sharp. What what insights. What what Tokyo teenager logging onto our website won't be enthralled 
by seeing that the orders well the, I imagine you can't get onto our online shop at the moment would you mind just saying where he was born again uh, fuck you Andy <laughs> I've, I've practiced Yasuki Yudiguchi. I haven't noticed that um, that where he's from is actually quite difficult to pronounce. Fukuoka. Um, if anybody does know how to pronounce that, I feel a bit sad. Um, that'll this, help. this wasn't a signing in 1996 because less culturally sensitive times. I feel we'd have had him in a, on the pitch in a kimono eating sushi for a, for a some press shots. Yeah, well, yeah, or as a sumo wrestler. Yes, quite possibly. <laughs> don't don't rule it out yet. They may have. I think, I think there's people at the club now. Someone might go. No, no, no. You remember the photograph of uh, Massimo Cellino in his offices with a tea towel on his head to taunt TFH? I don't remember you not that. seen that one? Uh, well, um, great days, great days. Oops! <laughs> exactly. Um, the one player we do seem to be actually signing for the team now is Lawrence Dubok, who is, he is the left-back, the, the left-back that everybody from Gitano Berardi down has been crying out for. Um, he's currently having a medical. Uh, yesterday he was having a medical. I think the day before that he was also having a medical, but he's expected to sign from Club Bruges. He went there from Lokeren for €3.5 million Euros in January 2013. Hamburg apparently offered €6 million for him in the summer transfer window, but since then, six games. Apparently not because he's crap, but Bruges have gone to three at the back and aren't playing with a left-back which is possibly because they think the left-back was crap, so they've decided to go. So, who knows? But overall, his record at Lokeren, 92 games, one goal, six assists. At Bruges, 177 uh, games, two goals, eight assists. Uh, he's 25, 22 games in the Europa League, eight in the Champions League. Some of them are the qualifying stages, so it could have been against Newport or something, um, which will never help us. Borthwick Jackson played in the Champions League from memory, or at least the Europa mm-hmm. League, so it's not really a stipulation of quality. Well, let's, let's be, let's be signed, positive. We've signed some good players from Belgium, haven't we? Um, what do you call him? Your mate, Bataka? Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and he's back there. Uh, oh, no, he came from Holland and he's gone to Belgium. He's oh, in he? Belgium now. Right. Have we signed anybody from Belgium? Is he our first... Must have done. Is he our first? No, of course we have Habib Habibu. Fucking <laughs> hell! So he's following in the footsteps of the uh, the duck killer, the duck chucker himself. Um, there is uh, there is some videos being shared of him doing uh, like tricks and skills, which I haven't watched because I'm a little bit wary of seeing a left back compilation tape. But there is a video of him in the dressing room pouring a pint down his neck. We're buying I, a left back. I feel like. I feel like people should be dancing in the streets that we're signing a proper left-back with proper pedigree. I watched um, a YouTube compilation of him, um, and it was it was the most underwhelming um, highlight reel I've ever seen. It included features of him like taking a throw-in, um, one of him just kicking a ball out for a corner do you under remember, no pressure. Do you remember the Felix Viedvald highlights video from the summer? Mm. It's very much the same of him like uh, just controlling the back pass and passing it in. Um, catching like a ball under no pressure. Yeah, and, uh, this is this is a similar vein. He does a few things that are actually quite bad in it. Like there's a few of him overhitting crosses and them going out for throw-ins and things. Again, I think they've used a very limited pool of games to take these highlights from. I think it's all from a couple of games, um, and as a result, there's I suppose a left back doesn't touch a ball that many times in a in a match. Uh, I've been looking at that sometimes on WhoScored.com, and actually our fullbacks um, often have some of the highest touches in the team. There you go. 
So we'd better be good. Are you excited about Lauren's, uh, what's he called? The Bock. La- Lawrence Bock. It is, it is nice to sign an actual left back. Um, it should add a bit more balance to the team. Although I don't think, I'm willing to be shot down here, but I don't think in recent weeks Berardi's been our main problem. I don't think he's been as bad as some people have made out. Um, and that's the thing. But I think what it does help is that Berardi can move to the right and offer Ailing a bit of competition. Yeah. Because Ailing's been out of form recently. And he's got a bad foot now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think overall it's a good sign. Well, I hope it's a good signing. But also Denton's back as well, isn't he, from mm. his from his loan spell. So no one suggested putting Denton into the first team, but you actually have two left-footed left-backs yeah. at the club, which um, and then maybe we could stick, potentially place Stuart Dallas here from as and when he comes back from whatever yeah. his injury he got for Northern Ireland. And then we actually might have a left-hand side to the team, which would be really good. I think that's where the, the problem with Berardi has been. I think... Um, my take on it is, if we have Berardi as a left-back for the rest of the season, we'd be fine. But if we had another left-back, we might be better. Yeah. So, Are you excited to see him, Andy? Are you going to take him out for a, like, a drinking competition? Yeah, well, me, me, him and Andy Lonergan will go out and uh, will be in the Skyrack necking pints, it sounds like, which is great. you know. And that's Andy Lonergan's favourite icebreaker, as we knew from the start of the season. Let's all just... How do you... Getting introduced to each other, let's all just go out and get completely pissed. Yeah, I think that went over Alioski and Sainz's head a little bit. And Felix's, yes, yeah, like most things, most, yeah, <laughs> boom, yeah. boom. But uh, left sided, we I just hope he's not shit because a left sided, we've been spending the entire last six months between us and a lot of other people on so social media badgering the club to just fucking buy a left sided left back. Uh, Taylor's been going 18 months ago, blah, 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 all that stuff. I just hope he's good. I tried going on to Eleonora Cellino's Instagram just the other day and just putting sign a left back just to try and get some of the old magic back to see if that would work. It didn't work back then. No. It's worked now. We've signed one. She's obviously had a word with Andrea Radrizzani. And, uh, and here it is. Yet? Is it what? Has she not blocked you yet? She, I've got many accounts <laughs> following her. Um, it's a promising sign because the worry with this January transfer window is that we would completely ignore any need to strengthen team but people have been crying out for a left back for years it feels like he's and a very obvious signing f- for the first team although which oh, is a lot of them aren't like yes, this guy he's sort of a nice he's mid-20s he's kind of in his prime he's got loads of games under his belt he's played at a decent level stick him in the in, a, posi- in a position in a position where we actually need a player six whereas months at cultural training he's uh... exactly whereas when we're signing yeah another central midfielder you do sort of look at it and think well Got lots of those already, and people like Grotten and Chubicki, and they weren't obviously having a spot in the team. Whereas this guy is has obviously been bought with it in mind that he's gonna he's gonna play straight away. Yeah, which is positive and happy news. And on the subject of those players for the under twenty three, our other signing is Apo Halma. I'm not as good with Finnish names as I am with uh, Japanese. He's come from. HJK Helsinki. He's 19 years old and something like seven foot five. Um, featured regularly for them as they won the league in 2017 and played for Finland under 19. He's going into the under 23s, but they do keep kind of saying uh, with a view to stepping up to the first team in the coming months that, that it feels like they don't think he's far away. But then you read what people in Finland have to say for him, and they kind of go, "It's <laughs> miles away." Um, very good, very highly rated in Finland. I think he's one of the top defenders. I was reading about it today. Um, 
the one criticism of him from uh, somebody who's been describing his career so far is that he uh, he sometimes has trouble with uh, with positioning and the defensive side of the game, which is a problem for a defender. But he's very good in improving, and they do think he's a good prospect. Anybody happy to see Arpo, or just intimidated by such a tall boy? We've not we've not paid much, remember? Have, have we paid anything? I can't remember. Uh, transfer market says like some like five hundred k, but I mean, don't imagine we paid that down. We paid Herring, didn't we? If it's Finland. <laughs> And he's got a double vowel at the start of his name as well. And the first double A, I think, since Aaron Lennon to play for Leeds. Wow. You've completely knocked <laughs> my socks off. Well, speaking of double A, the other big news of the transfer window so far is formally linked with Aspire Academy. It's no longer just Ivan Bravo being our mate and their mate, well, their boss um, and our mate. It's... Um, Confirmed on the official website, all guitar, aren't we? Um, Aspire Academy, for background, they uh, were established essentially to promote guitars, football and sport in general in the run-up to the 2022 World Cup, which they uh, were rightful winners of the rights to host that and are going to do a superb job. I mean, we talk about whether there should be a winter break for football. Qatar are giving us one in 2022, whether we want it or not. Um, and to uh, how do we describe their business in the world so far? They've scouted thousands of African boys and taken them to the Aspire Academy in Qatar as part of the Aspire Dreams program. Um, the head of whom has been in some trouble for uh, corruption lately um, and had to be removed from that role. And the best of them have been uh, sent then to KAS. Yuppen. I don't. I don't know how to say Yuppen. I want to say Whoopen. I want to say Whoopass. But um, go to Yuppen in Belgium, which Aspire Academy owns. Um, and the worst of them just go back. And there's been a lot of uh, discussions about whether they're being treated uh, very well. Suspicion for a long time was that these guys would be naturalised in Belgium because the laws there mean that they can get a Qatar passport and will become the World Cup team for 2022 because it is all about them having a good team in 2022. Ivan Bravo and Co. all insist that it's to give the local Qatari boys good competition uh, to play against. And they've grown. They uh, they own Yopin outright. They own Cultural Leonesa outright. They have a technical partnership with Delhi Dynamos in India and a formal link with Independiente del Valle in Ecuador. Um, our We now have a formal link so we're up there with Independiente del Valle. Um, Angus Kinnear says uh, we now are joining a network of uh, clubs which can only help us to develop and grow. Um, he says the statement said uh, that the network features some of the biggest and best clubs in Europe. So I'm suspecting some hyperbole going on there. Um, but the uh, the opening uh, statement was that the partnership will see Aspire provide support and insight in fields such as academy and youth development, performance analysis and sport science. Um, are we happy to be part of the Aspire Academy dream? Because <laughs> <laughs> no one steps forward. Um, it was interesting, actually, on the uh, Guardian Football Weekly podcast... Um, that Philippe Beauclair brought up the fact that he was a bit surprised that more's not been made of this um, it seems like a very modern football thing in that at the face on the face of it it looks like this big network of clubs which you've not really heard of you're not really sure what the benefit is or who for um, 
and then it doesn't take much googling to find some pretty unseemly stuff. Um, not that I'm saying the leads are involved in any of that. Or... Well, the the unseemly stuff, uh, if it's the same unseemly stuff that I said, it is. There's a lot the uh, the farming of young African players has been likened to a modern slave trade. Was the quote from I think a human rights organisation was very critical of why of how they were they were going about that. The counter from Aspire Academy is they do point out that they have the most fantastic advanced uh, facilities and technology available at their their facilities and then there's the whole and when the lads drop out of the academy they just get, get them a job building the World Cup stadium <laughs> exactly because, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very temporary because around there there is uh, there's again human rights organisations contending anywhere between um, a few dozen to several hundred deaths of workers who have been brought in to build those stadiums and it all seems to be down to a technicality as to how you whether you uh, the fact that they've died from heat exhaustion just because it's a very hot place or because the condition that they're working under exposes them to uh, more than necessary. So it's um, being sucked into the world of, of Qatar is, is a difficult place to be um, if you care about those things. If you don't care, then it's fine. But you were, you were talking for about five minutes there about the link-up and the lots of quotes. Because it's very difficult to try and describe. Yeah, to who, and I, I still don't understand what the benefits are to us, really. Because we, we talked about oh, it's a network of clubs, so what does that mean? We're not going to be able to rotate players, I think usually, obviously, but we're not going to be able to permanently rotate players through. You certainly, if we're going to go out in the summer and buy players for four or five billion, what, maybe, maybe not, you're not going to want them all to go play in the Spanish second division, assuming they stay up. Mm-hmm. Because that's certainly, I'm assuming that's kind of League One standard. Mm-hmm. Where they're playing, they're playing against the, the Barcelona bees of the world. So <clears throat> I don't really get why what this brings to us, yeah. other than a kind of posh student exchange with video links. Really, the network part. I tried to trace some movements, particularly between the um, Ecuador club, um, and there was when that link was first established. I think there was maybe one or two who went on loan to Europe and didn't really play much, and then went back and then it was hard to see any other player movements between um, there was culturally an alien fans on Twitter pointing out today that a player they'd been linked with has signed for Yuppen yeah, so there's well. that is a, is a strange thing Delhi Dynamos when they first formed their technical partnership they got a new head coach who was a mate of, of uh, Ivan Bravo's so that was their benefit um, and our benefit seems to be um, I'm saying benefit is that we have somewhere to send players that we either aren't ready to use or um, that's the one way of looking at it or Aspire want us for some reason to buy them and send them which is why I was kind of hinting before one question about the Idiguchi deal is that we can't keep him is because the deal is he plays for an Aspire club for six months um, before playing for Leeds United and that's that's just how it's got to be done for whatever Reasons and we lose some of that um, uh, transparency and a feeling of your destiny being in your own control. But the part they'd rather you look at is uh, that all the coaches, it's the most technically advanced coaching setup in the world, and if they can't sort J. Roy Grot out, because we have that option now, J. Roy Grot, get yourself over to Qatar for six months, come back a player. Yeah, I'm imagining like a, I'm imagining him like you know um, the Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren training sequence from Rocky Four, where they're injecting him with things, and Bridget Nielsen watches on. Yeah, that we'll do that to him. Exactly. We can't get him any bigger. 
it is terribly modern football, <clears throat> isn't it? And, and perhaps we're looking at it with our kind of English game blinkers in the same way that we talked about English managers in the rotation mm. um, and why Gary Munn couldn't stay partially because we had direct, a proper director of football who oversaw that side of things and Christensen came out puts the combs out and, and whatever so maybe we are not seeing the merits of it because we're just uh, we don't have any experience of what, what the benefits are going to be but I think if you talk to 99.9% of Leeds fans they'll go well, is it going to make us go up if not this season, next season? And the the answer to that question is you can't answer it. So mm. there's no romance in it, is there? There's no, nothing. There's nothing about a deal like this that makes that does something to your heart where you think, oh, I like the sound of that. Mm. That sounds good. Mm. And then there's the whole link to a slightly disgraceful um, regime there. And mm. but then that's football, isn't it? It's very difficult to find a regime that isn't slightly disgraceful that wants to buy into exactly. Oh, and I think the the open case, the Belgian league as a whole, and one of the things that perhaps we should be careful of in the future. Although the passport rules in Belgium mean this is the way it's gone, but half the clubs in Belgium now seem to be owned mm. by weird entities who are using those clubs just to do other stuff. Open exists now purely to make for the benefit of Aspire which exists for the benefit of um, Qatar's World Cup. They want to, they, for reasons of pride, because they're hosting the damn thing, they want to have a team on the pitch that won't get knocked out straight away. Um, so they've invested billions into into doing this. The difference... It's cheaper to invest in referees. <laughs> you should tell them. Get, get Ivan on the phone. Um, and the one uh, benefit we have is we are not owned outright at least not that we know about or not yet it's a formal link that keeps us at least a little bit I'm just relieved they've actually said something about it because we all mm. Ivan, as soon as Arvin Bravo was around um, started looking at the Aspire Academy and then as soon as Wazin Boy went out there and that's the uh, the other thing that's worth raising is that this week the day after it was confirmed that we were um, all Aspire um, Yuta Toyokawa J2 League striker signed for Yuppen and on their official website it said that he had been bought by Leeds and loaned to Yuppen for the season but then Leeds said uh, they denied it, said they have, they know absolutely nothing about him and uh, in any case um, he's been nowhere near the Japanese national team so would have no chance of a work permit for years. So it's and he's, very... not even, he's not even young that guy, I remember I looked him up and yeah. he's, he's like 24 and he's played his whole career in the the second division there yeah. it just seems a really odd some of the links signing he, like, surely he's never ever going to be good enough to play for us there were some players that went into Leonesa in the summer that the Spanish media were reporting we had bought and loaned them not know if it's confirmed but they turned up at Leonesa um, who were like 26, 27 and they're not obviously not players for the future but the only one that was ever confirmed was Wazing Boy um, so that's fine but it was weird that this network of clubs um one club has suddenly started putting out that Leeds United have bought a player that they're now that they've got on mm. loan, and then Leeds United are going, we don't know anything about this. So it's immediately like you're being drawn into this world of aspire where, I mean, they should know who. I, we're talking about this is supposed to be like some uh, incredible technological empire. Somebody has told somebody that Leeds United bought this player, um, and with a strong enough. Uh, will behind it for it to end up on their There's website and tweet Yeah, so, it's um, a shame this has come too late to send uh, Billy Whitehouse to Ecuador. <laughs> It'd have been quite nice to 
to ship off some of the some of the, the Mackay brothers, send them mm. to Delhi for a little while. Well, it's one. I guess it's one to to watch and see what happens and watch our first team squad as it rapidly fills up with um, incredibly strong nationalised Belgians over the next uh, five years. Um, and during that time, um, we may have a completely irrelevant but completely brilliant game to watch because the club um, was sending out Christmas presents to our former players, which is a beautiful thing. They were getting shirts with their old uh, numbers on. So Brian Dean got a number nine shirt, Ian Hart. I, I can't remember if they sent him... Uh, did they give him 20 or three? I can't remember. Anywho, they got shirts and a letter from Andrea Rachidzani teasing a possible Legends match in 2018. And all I'm going to point out is that one of the members of the Legends club, that, who all these players are, is Luciano Becchio. I'm there. Yeah. And he's probably already there because, as we pointed out <laughs> earlier in the season, he actually came to England, went to the club shop, and bought one of the new kits with Becky Ten on the back. So he doesn't need the present sending from the club. He is he is ready. Um, this is good, and I, the reason, one of the reasons this is good, is because I was getting a bus to a game uh, the other week, and some people were talking about the last time they'd been to Elland Road, and the last time they'd gone was the Lucas Radaby testimonial, um, which is maybe one of the last happy. Memories. It was. Um, yeah, I tweeted something similar to say it, it says a lot about the post Premier League years, but that that day was actually one of my highlights <laughs> that I can re- in recent memory, relatively recent memory. So yeah, just do this every week. We don't we don't like the present. Let's just yeah. let's just get Alan Clark up front for a bit and see what we can do. Who else should we have? Who because obviously that had that generation. Your bow is probably not going to be able to get out for another game, I don't think. Who do you want to bring back for the Legends match? No, he's not already been selected. I'd probably have Vidinka back if he's... Uh... I've seen Mel Stillen in the pavilion. I don't <laughs> rate his chances. I've seen Mel, yeah. I've Mel Stillen is the pavilion. He just needs to wrap it around him and it would fit like a kimono. <laughs> Rob, anybody you want? Apart from Becchio. Um, see, most of the players I've seen play for Leeds United have been shit. Uh, People like Mike, Gary Kelly would be great to get back mm-hmm. just to see him, to see him still alive. He couldn't really go in the public eye, does he at all? Well, I just, well, he sometimes goes for the Leeds manager job. Oh, right. Yeah, that was time. I I'd just, like to see Lee Bowyer back. I don't feel, I feel like he, he enough time has passed for, because he left in slightly bad circumstances, mm. but I feel like the intervening years mean we've kind of forgotten that. That raises the question as well of like who is going to be in the dugouts. Could we have David O'Leary managing one team and John Carver managing the other? <laughs> Still claiming they're only babies. Yeah. <laughs> Mel Sterling is a young lad. Um, we could. Uh, this is so just O'Leary has mind. returned, doesn't he? He's been back at the ground. They've done a little interview with him on TV that I haven't brought myself to watch mm. yet. He did say... Um, he said, apparently he said something like this is it's great to be back I've been waiting for so many years before I can come to it he lives in Harrogate like he could buy a ticket and come he's like oh no it's, it's fantastic to be invited back I'm looking forward to seeing the game buy a ticket you tight kid Tony Cascarino is right about him um, if Becchio although uh, his season has just ended with uh, with injury but this does raise the prospect of having Becchio and Beckford back in the same team Beckford's still playing He's just in. He's well, yes, but he's injured. But Berry had let us have him. I don't think you could rule it out. You can have. If we, have current professional. If we can still, if we can still have a, a twenty-foot poster of Chris Wood on the side of the stadium, we can have Jermaine Beckford playing for us. 
Maybe. I'm more excited about this than promotions. Would honest. you rather have Beckford or Grot on the bench at the minute? Beckford, even injured. <laughs> exactly. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Anticipation for the Legends match is already incredibly keen. Dubry, a rock in defence. Um, Kilgallen, I mean, if we can have players who were still playing. I'd like to see Dubry and... Um, I can't remember the guy's name. Who was the other incredibly slow centre-back who went down with Coldwell? Oh. What a dreamy pairing that was. Mm. Maybe get on re-back to torture. Them again. <laughs> Before we get to those days, though, we have actual league games to get through uh, without Samuel Saez. That's probably... Needs to be stressed. Um, maybe they should start billing these matches like that. You know the tweets they put out was like, tickets are now available for Leeds United versus Millwall without Samuel Saiz, just to make it clear that he won't be performing. It's like when you get a, um, a Barnarama concert with none of the original members. It, we're playing Ipswich on Saturday, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Ipswich are 12th. Um, they just lost 1-0 to Sheffield United in the FA Cup. Before that, they lost 4-1 to Fulham in the league. Four goals conceded in seven minutes. Um, Mick McCarthy is yet again presiding over slide into mid-table with loads of injuries and loads of unhappy fans. We can beat these even without Saez. Isn't that right, Andy? I, I did see a, a banner of the Ipswich fans had made saying they wanted Marcus Evans out and then they had like £156 million pounds or something I think he's in deeper than the Aspire Academy with yeah. guitar to be honest so it's kind of what uh, I, I don't know it's a strange situation we, we Ipswich is a place we don't typically do well in Portman Road I can't remember last time we, oh, we won about three four years ago didn't we but typically at Portman Road um, things don't go particularly well we're going to have to find a way to play without Saez as we've said um, I would probably take a point now. To be honest, look, seeing as the next game is Millwall at home, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd probably take a point. Well, I would add, Rob, that WhoScored.com tells me and, and us Ipswich are weak at defending set pieces and counter attacks. We have a set piece coach, 
and all we can do is counterattack. So surely we have we'll the electric win. pace of Lasaga on the break. <laughs> well, Roof, surely this is Roof up front from now on. I, I was going to say this earlier, but Roof must have been very pleased <laughs> at the weekend in his own sort of way. Roof has a lot of faults as a player and certainly as a as a striker, although it's his best position. But I think he's the only one Ekuban injury apart who hasn't just let let down at any point. Mm-hmm. So Roof hat trick, Rob. Yeah, uh, I mean, I remember when they came to Ellen Road for the home game, I remember looking at the two teams, and I'm pretty crap at keeping up with the championship, but I remember saying they had David McGoldrick at number 10, and we had Samuel Saez, and I thought, oh, we're going to absolutely walk this. And then McGoldrick was actually quite good for them, mm. and we really toiled in that game. This was the end of Anita at right-back, if you remember. Yeah. Hannah was playing on their left-hand side, but it was quite physical, and it looked to be about three times Anita's height. Yeah. That was that was the end of the experiment. Yeah, going. and we looked sort of comfortable for half an hour in that round, and then made it really, really difficult. Um, so I think, like Andy, I would take a point there. Although I think we won at Ipswich with Luke Barney scoring, so anything can happen. <laughs> That's true. Although um, Michael John Walker always gives us trouble in this game, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I, I'm worried about Ian Marshall as well. Big lad. Do you think uh, Cooper will be able to deal with the pace of Chrissy Wamia? <laughs> Trying to think, Eddie Yowds, do you remember him? Trying to think of other American, other, 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 other terrible Ipswich. Uh, I would trump, I would trump, and end this with Romeo Zondonan. Um, Ebola once scored a hat trick against uh, Ipswich in the first half, and I, I can see that happening again. To be honest, do you want to get him back to play and say he's his role? We, we've got to try something. Don't see why not. He's not dead, is he, Ebola? That was a rumor that did the rounds a while ago. Yeah. Not he's... dead, so why not play him? He's not. <laughs> if he's not dead, he's fit enough to play. That's the um, the old school. English football way. Do you think a point? Would you take a point from Big Nick Mac McCarthy? I probably would, but it's one of those that you'd, you'd hope to nick it, really, because they're not going anywhere, are they? They might as well give us those points. They're not, they're not going to use them for anything else, are they? No, and it would give Mick the opportunity to have another like slightly pissed off press conference afterwards. I think he quite enjoyed. The, the, I mean, you're right about the the fans and, and Marcus Evans and. Um, I don't know how long Mick McCarthy's been there, but the whole place... Mick, Marcus Evans has certainly been there a long time. It just feels like a lot of people are really tired of each other, but won't leave. Mick McCarthy is never going to resign from that job. Um, even though half the fans probably hate him, he'll just stand there and go, yeah, I'm not leaving. Make me. Make me leave. But, um, but yeah, so in, in that mind, he, he surely enjoys the losing press conferences more than the winning ones. Um Will we have to put up with a losing Thomas Christensen press conference at Elland Road against Millwall, Andy? They are 15th in the league. Uh, they beat Barnsley 4-1 in the FA Cup, but lost 2-1 to Norwich in the league, a game in which Steve Morrison scored the most unbelievable long-range volley, which was 100% an absolute total fluke. I'm not surprising. not having that goal at all. He swung a leg and got lucky, but now is again, yet again, being lauded as the saviour of Bermondsey. Um, we're beating Millwall, Andy. Come oh, on, all, all day, every day. We didn't beat them last time. That I know, but it, at home we do. At, tend at to. home we always we always tend to. I'm, I'm a bit. I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but I was a bit surprised that we've decided to let 1,500 of their knuckle dragging fans. "Quote unquote," um, come up with the M1 for this game, as opposed to the 60 that would normally complain about ticket prices. Mm. But, and uh, it's—I don't think that's going to end particularly well. But from on on the pitch, um, 
I like us to be. I like us to humiliate him. Actually, I really, 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 really dislike Millwall at an intense structural level. I wish they were out of business. Rob, can we put Millwall out of business in this one game? Uh, it would be quite a scoreline, I imagine. But um, yeah, I can only concur with that. I was just thinking we really owe him one after that last game when we just did not turn up and just got battered. And even let Steve Morrison put it in the net, even though it was disallowed for offside. But I just, yeah, I can't cope with the sight of Steve Morrison running around Ellen Road again. Do you think instead of uh, another flag day, we should just get rid of the flag part and just declare this like big stick day? And just say if there's 1,500 Millwall fans coming and Steve Morrison. Um, put it out hashtag together bring a massive stick and just do what you want Michael you up for that <laughs> yes yes I hope Millwall fans managed to bring the Sutcliffe 13-0 banner that they had once at the away game bizarre classy yeah and makes no sense <laughs> who did he who did he beat anyway Exa- yeah. team, team woman yeah, yeah. bizarre what did, they get, what did they get in trouble for recently, Millwall, as well? There was some other... Yet more racism, although they are the, the, the current holders of family the Football club. League's Family Club mm. Award. But I'm sure it was more, even more racism than normal. <laughs> I think, well, yeah. They may not come, actually. They may be defeating ISIS for us. Quite possibly. That's the, thing with, the thing with Millwall... Thanks, Millwall. Yeah. Is that I'm glad that's sorted. <laughs> as much as we've criticised the Riverside and modern football to a large extent, Millwall just... They're incurably bad. They're not. They do it not in a way that is in any way endearing. It's all that there is about them. That's the thing. Like teams like Leeds, Man United, West Ham seems to have a bit of a reputation, but there's always been some interest in football there. I feel mm-hmm. like with Millwall, the whole thing is just to turn up and be obnoxious, and that's basically all they've got. And whether that's like you know breaking segregation at a playoff final and hitting some Barnsley fans who have no interest in fighting them, mm-hmm. just. Stupid stuff like that. I don't know who's, uh, whose estimation sank more in my eyes at the end of their playoff final when they invaded the pitch and Steve Morrison went was doing his interview and just started crying and saying, these idiots are ruining the best day of my life. And that's and Steve like, Morrison. Steve Morrison. And I had like, such a killjoy. Like, can you imagine a Leeds player during... You know, when we won promotion in 2010, Andy Hughes turned at the camera, I think these idiots should get off the pitch to ruin it. Mm. So that's Steve Morrison's mentality, is that this pitch invasion's rubbish. But then also, of course, the first team to do a pitch invasion at the New Wembley is Millwall, and of course it was rubbish, just like not even... They were just running around. And then starting on Steve Morrison, it's like, oh, great, we're on the pitch to celebrate promotion. What should we do? Where's our captain? Let's kick the shit out of him. Really piss him off. I wonder about Berardi. Well, you would it'd be like, a, it'd be like a Bruce right. Lee film. It'd be a trail of bodies. The uh, whoscored.com, which I believe implicitly and explicitly, says that they are strong at creating chances through individual skill. Um, when did Pelé sign for Millwall? Is it's this individual skull? Is that a misprint? <laughs> um, yes. Maybe that's what they meant. We've got to beat uh, Millwall. We, we can set up. Um, I think Ipswich is winnable. I agree with this. I sometimes feel like we give them too much when we're like, oh, we'll take a point from it's which we go there with that mentality of like a point will do. Let's just hammer them. Do it for Saez. Do what Manchester City and all those clubs do. I want all the players warming up with T-shirts that say, do it for Saez. With a little bit of spit on. A little white blob. Yeah. And <laughs> when, when we score a goal, somebody to do a celebration where they're spitting at each other. <laughs> So we do that at Ipswich, and that's all sorted out. And then we hammer Millwall, and then uh, we go into FA Cup fourth round weekend. We're not going to be playing Hull. That'll be rearranged. We've got Cardiff at home, Sheffield United away, 
Bristol um, at home. We'll play Hull at some point in those games, and then we can have Saiz back. Um, that's where it gets difficult. So we probably need to get these two games mm. won, don't we? To get Cardiff are dropping kind of now, though. They've, they've lost like four in a row. I, I, they're an incredibly ordinary team. I, I, yeah. I watched the Preston game, um, and they, they really are. And it's just a miserably average championship side. And you... you as obviously I don't follow them religiously and um, for a number of different reasons and you, every time I'm like how the fuck played in midfield all season talking about Bamba in one of the away games where I don't know, I've been keeping I can't remember um, where he just you know shanked it into the stand from, from when he had a five yard pass on you it's I cannot believe that Cardiff team are that far up this league and it shows how <clears throat> average quite a lot of the teams in this league are that they got as high as they did I think Warnock as well he does have other than at leagues he does seem to have an ability to motivate players to a point mm. but I guess once you've already heard him shout and scream mm. you know, 23 times mm. in a season you maybe just start thinking oh fuck off Neil mm. <laughs> yeah the, so we'll, we can beat them then so that's good Yep. Uh, Sheffield United also dropping um, you're right Cardiff have lost their last four in a, a row um, where has I've got it here somewhere the sound of paper being fiddled through so I can tell you how bad Sheffield United are I mean they've always been bad since the days of Tony Agane uh, Sheffield United are our point below as their last six lose-lose draw win-lose draw um, if they keep that up we can do them over because they had their really good player got mm. crippled didn't he so he was cropped for the rest of the season, and since then it's just been we're not a one-man team. I don't think they've hardly won a game since. Is Brian Gale going to be? If we can, uh, the Legends match. Um, That'd be great if they could get him back for for opposition. It would be funny, um, and then Bristol City. Um, they're the ones who haven't yet had that big with like we're just going to give up on promotion. So it might be that we're a bit loosey against Bristol. Um, which isn't good because it'll be at home. But hey, if we're taking wins from Ipswich, Millwall, that's six points, three more against Cardiff, 12 points, um, let's say one at Hull just to even it out a little bit, uh, to make it realistic, and then we can take a defeat from Bristol having taken 13 points from 15. Um, that's the power of having a left-back. It's the power of positive thinking. I'd be delighted with that. I think probably 10 is more... We'll, we'll be going well to get 10 out of the 15. Going well to get zero, easy. mate. So easy spanned. <laughs> so I think we'll... Uh, uh, if we get 10 from those five games, take we'll still be in touch um, and when Saez comes back. And then also, we start to, the fixtures start to go a little bit more. I think the last month or so, um, we the last four or five games look reasonably winnable. We need 12 wins in reality to get us up to, towards that kind of cemented playoff space so it's fine we're pissing this basically so yeah. that's alright um, somebody who is very familiar with piss stains Ken Bates and his villain of uh, it still says Fortnite on our press on our preparation sheets from the days when we used to do this every two weeks villain of the last three months Ken Bates is a ward that we uh, never let him win but we do nominate him Every time he was spotted over Christmas, he was in the crowd at a Chelsea match, still alive. So, thereby guaranteeing his nomination. Uh, he has apparently, in an update, Ken Bates' update from 
uh, this century and uh, from the last hundred years, there is some fresh news. Um, his Stamford Bridge apartment, where he was belligerently refusing to be moved so that they could redevelop, he has apparently been dislodged now. Apparently, uh, um, Abramovich has given him whatever it takes to get him out of there. Or rent a kill. <laughs> I was going to say it's maybe they just changed the locks and he's that old guy. He forgot he lives there. Maybe maybe moved an Asian family in next door. He, he's not the sort of person who would like that. Ken Bates is he? Um, so he, that's his nomination for uh, hating his neighbours and still being alive. Um, who would you like to nominate, Michael? Who is your villain? Um, I think I think having talked about it, um, the foot, we'll go with the football league again for for banning saves for six games. When really a, a, a telling off would be sufficient. Um, so and also, done, exactly. Should they just have shaken hands, maybe spit in the <laughs> arms and see? That's all right. I think. I think. The, I mean, that's people do that out of I affection. I think that'd be fine if you spit on. If it's a deliberate thing, but then also the penalties against uh, Derby and Middlesbrough as well. Clear mm-hmm. signs of, uh, of corruption. Are you nominating the football league as an entity, yeah, well, or do you I want to hit nominate. on Sean Harvey? Yeah, um, okay. Do you want to have him as the figurehead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Uh, he also, in fact, this isn't, doesn't really relate to us anymore, but he also continues to defend the um, Checker Trade Trophy as well, doesn't he, of, of it being a success, even though because he's saying our oh, crowds are up. But then that, the Football League have promised to cover losses on tickets and yes. basically said, please just allow this to not be completely terrible. Yeah, and it is still completely terrible. And it's still completely terrible. Rob, who's your villain? Uh, he's not actually on this list here, but I think Karen Borfitt Jackson deserves a mention mm-hmm. for managing to be the only actual left back in the squad and still being the worst left back in the squad. It's quite impressive. Uh, and yeah, instead of from Man United, when you just think, just make a good impression, just try, maybe. Mm-hmm. And he's been woeful. Andy? Uh, there's a few. So the, I like the Football League, Sean Harvey as well. He's a, he'd be well deserving. Um, he's a multiple winner, isn't yeah, he? Sean? Yeah, he's had this before. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone associated with Huddersfield Town, because they're constantly, constantly going on about this, uh, wearing the Premier League, and whenever, mm-hmm. whenever any of them gets an opportunity, seemingly to speak to the media, there was a, I think there was one of their defenders was on before Christmas saying, "I was at a big club that had always failed, just like Leeds, yes. and, and just like Leeds seems to be." The, the, the epithet that they apply to everything, and there wasn't the guy who picked um, who published a FIFA team or something, which was all Newport players on Sunday. Uh, it, it, was it just, the chairman? Yes, probably. And Dean Hoyle, of course, has done the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, just it's your one shot. Just fucking get on with it and enjoy it. Because if not this season, next season you'll get relegated. Yeah. Um, and then you probably have to still contend with us anyway. So, for God's sake. Shut up, enjoy it, forget about us, because we don't care about you. Did you see the report about their um, business that they're doing in China? The new profile that they have means that they have attracted a lot of investment companies. Are, they've discovered Huddersfield, so they're holding a business conference, and uh, their Huddersfield Town um, chief executive of commercial uh, ventures um, said um, with absolute sincerity that they were looking forward to the, the new year in China because it's the Chinese year of the dog. Mm. And they feel there's a there's a lot of opportunities to to work with companies overseas. Huddersfield Town, Huddersfield are a strong nomination. I want to nominate um, whoever it was that elbowed Samu Saiz 
during the celebrations for Newport's winner. Um, I want to see the footage. I want to know what happened. I want that guy up in front of the Football League um, to be But he'd get bound. left off, wouldn't he? Sean Harvey would be just like, oh, go on. This is true. Right. But surely, I mean, something has kicked off. And you can't, if you're celebrating a goal, no part of celebrating a goal involves elbowing the littlest lad on the pitch to the ground, um, making him so angry that he gets up and spits at you. If you can take... Saez gets a six-match automatic ban for spitting. We all know that. That's fine. But there is a retrospective panel that looks at incidents in games and goes, oh, you, you were being an absolute twat to that little kid. Um, we're going to do something about it. But So I, I kind of took, although the uh, the player that he spat at was not the player who uh, sparked it all off, I don't think, but he was very sincere. He's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm very grateful to Samu for his apology. I, I hope they... Uh, I hope they get promoted. And then I'm sure he put his phone down, got off Twitter, and was like, sniggling with his mates, like, not a buzzer band, eh? Aha! Good luck getting promoted without playing six games. How good would they do if their best player got banned for even three? Um, so, but it comes back to uneven distribution of justice. So I reckon it's going to be the Football League for this one, isn't it? We've had a lot of, we've had a lot of Football League nonsense um, although they did let us off for basically stoning a linesman or sticking a linesman. No, those flags were so flimsy. He deserved it anyway. Hero of the month. Um, do we? Uh, who wants to nominate a hero of Andy Hughes' hero of the last three months, Michael? There's only one. Come on. With, there may be others. I only put the one that I could think of. He's won it. There's no point. Anybody else, Rob, that you want to name? I, I think now he's now he's scored. Yeah, mm. it'd be while captain, mm. whilst captain, and being the only player who gave a flying fuck, mm-hmm. while also claiming not to be good enough for the team. There was who uh, are we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about Shaft. <laughs> we're talking about somebody who is uh, better than Shaft. We're talking about Gatano Berardi. Um, there was a, a a tweet that went around quite a lot after the Newport game that said. Um, Berardi, you say that your Leeds needs a better player than you at left-back. No, we need 10 players who are like you. Um, and then you could maybe have an asterisk that said maybe a bit better going forward and left-footed. But um, he has uh, not let anybody down in the team. He has done an Andy Hughes level of humble interview where he says Leeds United need to improve, they don't need me. And um, services also to square up all calendars because that happened since uh, we put out we put out two calendars. We did a normal square ball one. That um, I don't think we've got any left for sale. You might be able to get a few in the street. Yeah, I think we've got the, a the few game. left in the box. If you ask nicely, we've got a, a few. Um, all the proceeds of which we got all the illustrators from the magazine to do a month um, of artwork related to Leeds United, and it's a beautiful thing and raised quite a lot of money for Leeds Children's Hospital Appeal. And at some point, we realised that we just, as a group, have a lot of photographs and drawings of Gatano Berardi that we've been accumulating and wondered whether we could do a Berardi calendar. Um, and he said we could. And so we did the, we'd, we raffled them off £5 a go to win a Berardi calendar signed by the man himself. 1500 quid that raised from for Leeds Children's Hospital appeal. Um, I feel like we're partially nominating ourselves the hero, hero of the last three months. No, because we, uh, we do a lot of good work for charity. We don't. We, we don't want to we talk about. Don't it. want to talk about it. Um, but Berardi, uh, yes, Berardi, the Berardi calendar is a, a beautiful thing. The captaincy is a beautiful thing. The goal is a beautiful thing. The humility is a beautiful thing. His face really is a beautiful thing. 
Um, I like what he's been doing with his hair this season. He's been going through a few like kind of early eighties indie pop haircuts and like fringe at some point, sort of spidery thing. Do we have any other candidates? I don't think there's a single other person has done anything of any note. I mean, Pablo Hernandez's goal was all right. It's him, isn't it? Gatano Baradi is the hero of this edition of the Square Ball Podcast, at least. Possibly the hero of the season. Because this new signing from Belgium, Van der Bock, or I will learn his name eventually, Lawrence, I'll just stick to calling him Lawrence Olivier, um, has got to get... He's got to stay in the team. He's got to keep Berardi out, and I don't think he'll 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 make it easy for him. So we could potentially. The dream is still on. I feel like we haven't had the goal that Berardi is going to score yet. I think that playoff final winner is still on. He's just warming up against Newport anyway. So the award uh, will go to Berardi, um, and uh, and he can um, enjoy it as much as he can. Put it with the rest of whatever beautiful decor he has in his flat. I'm sure it's very tastefully decorated and beautiful in there. Do we have anything other else? Anything other else to talk about? Was the fact that we've recorded another like two and a half hour podcast <laughs> and then losing the ability to speak out loud, beginning to tell us it. We'll close it on this. We will. We do intend to try and do these on a more regular basis, mm. don't we? We always so that, Christmas, it? So that we're not catching up on three months of, uh, of football at once. So there should be more of a podcast out before um, before too long. If there isn't, I would um, point you towards the squareball.net where you can read the magazine while you wait for a podcast to come out. I think that's probably the good thing to do. Your own excellent weekly articles. Well, I mean, I couldn't possibly. Yeah, come on. Uh, twice, twice weekly. Send him some money. Twice weekly. Um, yeah, Give him you, your fucking money. If you want to pay me to, for my writing, that's available and details are on the internet, blah, blah, blah. But more importantly, for the, the collective nature of our endeavours, you can get a half-season paper subscription. I can't stress enough how, how innovative and exciting that is for the square ball. Um, £18 for six issues between now and the rest of the season. That also gives you, you get an automatic digital subscription as part of that, which gives you access to all of this season stuff on the website in the form you can just read it like an online article. And you also get PDFs from pretty much all of the last nine years, isn't it? Maybe not all of them. There's something like 80-odd issues. There's lots. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff you can get through. So you can go back to the glory days of Lee Trundle and, uh, and so on. You can read a load of angry articles about crap footballers. While you wait for you certainly go back to the Warlock era, can't you? Yeah, you can go back. We, we, who uh, wouldn't want to? Go back to the last six months of the bloody Brian McDermott. It was Grayson, it was Grayson era, wasn't it? That's when, when we, we started. Uh, when, we, yeah. when we started doing it. Yeah, Grayson. So. Lee Trundle was a yeah, Grayson yeah, player. Yeah, Lee Trundle was Grayson. Sure. Um, he features on the uh, the ongoing graphic of low knee, Lee's low knees, doesn't he? Do you think he'll be um, coming back for the Legends game? Anywho, and also on there we do calendars have gone pretty much, but we do t-shirts and mugs and prints. And hoodies. And hoodies. Michael is wearing one, which obviously you can all see. Works yeah, well. brilliantly. How, um, how good does it look? Okay. They are really nice. I, I've never really been a hoodie wearer, but I wear mine. Uh, not now, though, because I had to go outside. <laughs> um, but they're all really good, and we're all really pleased that you're still listening to this after two and a half hours, um, broken up and hopefully into two chunks, and after three months since we last bothered uh, trying to do one of these. We'll speak more. You'll hear more from Michael Norman. See ya. From Rob Conlon. See you later. I feel like there should be applause after each one of these. From Andy P. Goodbye. And from me. Thanks for listening. Um, enjoy 
our victories over Ipswich and Mitchell and all the rest. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.